Father Almighty, we praise you. We thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for your word and your many blessings that come through it. We thank you so much for your care and your graciousness, Lord. Uh, I just thank you so much for your army of saints. And Lord, uh, we look to your word this morning that uh, we can be encouraged and strengthened and we can be taught by you. We just thank you so much for our salvation. We thank you so much for your wisdom. In Jesus' name. So as I mentioned, we're going to be in Revelation chapter 21, verse 5. But I will start at, at 21.1 and then read um, uh, through that verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Amen. So this morning, as we look at that, we're going to talk about three points. One, only Christ can make you new. Number two, the work to make you new is through the Holy Spirit. And three, the robes that are being washed and fit for heaven are those that trust in God. And so we see today's scripture, and he was seated on the throne and said, Behold, I am making all things new. So today I want to look at a, a, a little story that appears in Acts in chapter 3. And Peter and John are about to go into the temple, and there's this paralyzed man who had been paralyzed, I believe the scriptures say, for quite a while, 38 years. Yeah, it says, and now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was carried, in whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened. It's a great story. One thing that I learned this week is that how these stories, and I never thought of it this way. I mean, there's obvious parables. But this is not a story given by Jesus. This is an actual event by John and Peter. But this actual event is also in its own way a parable. <clears throat> and so we see this man who's sitting down paralyzed. He's paralyzed from birth. Well, if you think about us as humans, we are born in iniquity. We're born in sin. That's our paralyzation, if you will. We're born spiritually paralyzed, okay? And so as a spiritually paralyzed person, we represent this man in this story. And he has been used to the fact that people come by and he asks them for alms, which are gifts, donations. And he's used to doing this. And so every time somebody comes by, that's what he asks them for. And even John and Peter, you know, he was looking at them and hoping to get alms. Well, if we're real with ourselves, the reality is that the world can only give us alms. And too often we go through life with our problems like the paralyzed man. And we get calloused and we get used to the fact that the world can only give us so much. The man had given up hope in walking. He never asked anybody to help him, heal me, pray for me in healing, things of that nature. Instead, he was reduced to, hey, can you give me something so that I can get by? The problem with that and the world's mindset with regards to that is when the world gives us something, the problem never goes away. Anything that the world chooses to try and fix, that problem remains. A great example of that is if you look at the politicians of the world. Politicians, how long have they been going through the world trying to solve problems and bring peace? And in every attempt they do to bring peace, they just bring out more violence. A great example of that is World War One. World War One, Germany went to world war, the whole world went to war. There was an axis of evil. I don't know how many of you are familiar with World War I history, but there was this axis of evil. Well, Germany went to war, and it was called the War of All Wars or the War to End All Wars. And in reality, it created an even bigger war after it. Why? Because Germany decided that it had valid reasons in its own mind for not being punished for what they did. And here came another... A leader to rise up. Well, they had all these treaties, and in these treaties, there was supposed to be peace. Well, treaties are easily broken. They're made by men, and they're broken by men. And what ended up happening? In the 30s, there was another rise in Germany, and then there was another war. And if we're real with ourselves, five years after that war ended, the Korean War started. That went on for five years. And then about eight years after that, the Vietnam War started. 
There's a series of wars, and what's going on is men's attempt to solve problems always falls short. The only time that we can truly put an end to any of our problems and rise above our spiritual depravity is through Christ. And that's really difficult for us to see because we do feel that oftentimes we're so close in reaching that, oh, I've, I've got the solution. This solution's going to work. Or if I tell this person something, this is how things will play out. Unfortunately, unless people are fully centered around Christ, things always fall short. So just like the story of the man at the gate, beautiful, we represent, mankind represents that man who's paralyzed and has been forced to look for alms from people. What can you give me to pacify my situation so that I can keep moving in life? I just need to make it to my next meal. I just need to make it to my next paycheck. I need to just make it to this next problem and things are all right. The reality is, is after that problem, there's another one behind it and another one and another one. There's obstacles, obstacles, tribulations, trials, challenges, and they all seem to just come nonstop. Well, as Christians, when we trust in Christ, we put an end to those problems that keep reoccurring. Now, the world will continue to bring up its own problems. But why should we suffer for the hands, at our own hands, for doing something wrong? Why should we suffer for doing something that we know is going to bring upon us improper or poor consequences? Why should we walk in a way that we know is contrary to God's blessing only to bring hardship on ourselves? So it's very important as we understand how God works that we do represent that paralyzed man. But instead of looking to mankind for alms, we look to the picture of the representation here, which is John and Peter. And they represent the church. They re represent us who belong to the church. And in doing so, we tell the world, look, I don't have silver or gold for you. But what I do have is an end to your situation. Rise up and walk. I give you Jesus Christ. So if you think about your problems today, your challenges, your difficulties, as long as we stay focused on Christ, those problems become smaller and smaller. Yeah. And, you know, this week has been tough at the Mulatto house. We lost a puppy, and she was very close to us in so many ways. She taught us a lot. She taught me a lot. And what I realize is I start to focus on my puppy, I get really sad. I focus on Jesus. And joy starts to come to my heart because there's so much good that Jesus has to offer. If I focus on my puppy, I focus on loss and, and the fact that she's passed away and all the negative things. But if I focus on God, I realize all the wonderful things that God is doing to make people like that man rise up and walk. So it's very important for us to realize this because this story is teaching us that no matter where we go, unless Christ is behind it, 
you can bet that that solution to that problem is only temporary. That that problem most likely will rise up again. Because only Christ is the eternal solution. And that's very important for us to know as we look at the text this morning. Behold, I make all things new. The world does not make things new. The world just continues in the same depravity, the same decay, and the same darkness that it always has been. These wars that we're fighting today, whether they're for religious reasons, political reasons, or for resources, they're nothing new. The Romans did it, the Greeks did it, the Syrians did it, Persians' armies did it, the Egyptian army before them did it. This is not new. Mankind and governments and politicians have always been creating problems to increase their own power instead of looking to God to increase peace with one another in Christ. And so it's very important as we look at this point, number one, that only Christ can make things new. And how does he do that? Through the Holy Spirit. The work, it should say the work of the Holy Spirit, not the word. <coughs> and then we, we look no further than Titus. Towards the back of the book, it's the last uh, letter from Paul. And in Titus 3, it says, But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done, by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So as Christians, as we decide to fully trust in Christ, he gives us this gift, this incredible gift, and it's the same gift that he received in order to rise from the dead. And so if you think about that paralyzed man rising up, well, we're that paralyzed man. The power comes upon us, and we rise by the power of the Spirit. And so we consider our lives from the start of our walk with Christ until we go on to meet with Christ. And that whole time, the Holy Spirit is washing us. He's regenerating us, and he's renewing us. He's making us into a new creation. And so if you think about your life with Christ, whether it's short or long, you can always think back to the time, what you were like before you started to have a relationship with Christ, and how he's working in you, and how things are changing in your life right now. And I don't know about you, but I'm starting to realize a lot of things about who I am. And like one of the examples that I can give you is that I've learned that every time that I've gotten angry, I've come to regret my actions. Every time. Why? Because my anger is based in myself. This is a work of the Holy Spirit. If it was the old Jose, I would still be getting angry at things. But now I realize that anger is not the answer. 
anger only leads to regret. You know, and there's nothing wrong with anger as long as you handle it right. You come back and you focus on God and you let that anger draw you closer to God instead of coming down on condemnation on people and the things around you. And when you lash out at people, that leads to regret. When you seek God, that leads to blessing. Because that peace comes through and then you didn't do anything that you would have regretted. This type of stuff, I praise God for. I'm too, and I'll be honest, I'm too dumb to learn it by myself. God has to reveal this stuff to me. Because I want to attack the world from a very logical perspective. Well, one plus one equals two. Two plus two equals four. We want to attack things very logically, very rigidly, very structurally. But when we do that, we don't give account for God's working by his spirit. How do blessings and miracles happen? Well, the scientist wants to say that those miracles do not happen because they contradict scientific laws. Who created scientific laws? God did. Everything that works by science, God created. He is the scientist behind those things. The interesting thing is, is that the scientist wants to push everything into this box and say that this is how the world works. Unfortunately, God can choose to work independently of those laws anytime he wishes to, to make that paralyzed man walk. The scientist wants to go, how did you walk? You've been paralyzed. There's no way you could walk. There's no way those legs could ever hold a person. They've been disabled since birth. Therefore, there is no strength in them. But God works independently from the world to make his miracles happen. Science is still there and it still operates, but he chooses to work independently. In other words, he chooses to use a different tool. The scientist wants to say, and the world wants to say, you can only use this one tool. God says, I have an infinite number of tools at my disposal. So it's very important for us to understand that because the work of the Holy Spirit is nothing worldly. It's nothing of this earth. Okay, and scripture is very clear that people that are worldly and of the earth have nothing to do with the spirit. They're, they're contrary to each other. And so as Christians, we decide to operate in the spirit, knowing that God can work independent of worldly logic and philosophy to get us to become a new creation. We're regenerated and we're renewed by the power of God. And how is this happening? Day by day, through situations, through the things that we encounter, right? We bring up situations in life and we look at them and we know that we're not perfect, only God is perfect. And so we look at the situation and we're like, how did things go wrong? How can we learn from them? And how can we use this situation to glorify God? And how can we use it to come closer to God? 
We use these situations in life, we use the difficulties, the sufferings, the, the challenges, the shortcomings, our failures. We give them to God and he redeems them. And as he redeems them, his power is working in us to make us a new spirit, to make us something completely different and completely new. So, and that's very important for us to understand because as Christians, it's very important that we know that it is impossible for us to do anything to make us right. That this has to be God's power. The only thing that we can do is become aware that we need God. And then let God do the work as we trust in him, walk in his word, and obey him, and, and walk by the spirit. So we become a new creation in Christ. Now, this is important because it points to the work of the cross. We have our robes washed in white by the blood of the Lamb. The blood of the Lamb, that's Jesus Christ and his work on the cross. We know on the cross that when Jesus was on the cross, he emptied himself of all his blood. All his blood poured out so that when they poked him, the only thing that came out was water was his fluids from, from his lungs and, and things of that nature. So Christ, and this is very important for us to understand, because we know that Christ saves us. But how did Christ save us? It's interesting to note that Jesus Christ had to die on the cross, and he had to become that almighty sacrificial lamb in order to pay for the sin of mankind. So when we recognize that this is what Jesus did, and that on the cross, through that work, he defeated sin and he defeated death, through that work, we believe in that work, we believe in the work of the cross, and it's through that work that we trust in, his blood makes our robes washed in white. So that we are purified by him and who, what Christ did on the cross. So it's important to note because a lot of people are like, well, why did Jesus have to die? If Jesus is God, why did he have to die? Why couldn't he just say, no more sin, this is how it is? Well, God being holy, the Father being holy and just, requires a payment for our sin. In Hebrews, it says, there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. And this was the early teaching that they were trying to teach the Israelites, that if you sin, it, there's a penalty behind it. There's a consequence. In the Old Testament, if you sin and you brought a bull or a lamb or whatever it was to the altar, it was a very personal situation. It wasn't like you just brought the bull up and then, you know, hey, thanks, I'm, I'm out of here. No, you, you brought the bull up, okay, and pretend I'm a Levitical priest. They would bring the bull up, and then the sinner would have to put their hand on the bull's head as they killed the bull. And then they would take that blood from the bull, and then they would do the things of purification required by Levitical law. 
I don't know about you, but being that close and having that much association with life and my sin and then eventual death of this animal because of my doing, that would enliven me to the sin in my life. But it had the opposite effect on most Israelites. They became callous to it. They're like, you know, it's just another animal. And if we're not careful, we can reduce the sanctity of life to nothing and just say, you know, it's just another sin. It's just another whatever. And we can become tolerant. And then we lose the mindset that Christians should have that every time we sin, we're literally driving Christ back to that cross. Every time we sin, we literally drive Jesus back to the cross. We make him shed his blood over and over again. doesn't really happen, but that's what's metaphorically happened. Why? Because without the remission, or excuse me, with, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So there's a, there's a consequence. There's a real penalty behind the things that we do. There's a real um, action and reaction for everything that we do. So it's very important that we understand that as we trust and walk with God, that it is him and his work that is washing our robes white and making us fit for heaven eternally. And it's purely his work. And there's a, a, a couple of quotes here, uh, Revelation 7, 14, I'll read that to you. And it says, I said to him, sir, you know, and he said to me, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And then again in Mark chapter 8, it says, and calling the crowd to him with his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. So in order to wash our robes white, we have to come to a mindset where we learn to deny ourselves, where we realize that we're no longer living for ourselves, but we're living for a higher purpose and a higher person, and that's Jesus Christ. Because the, the world wants to tell you what? You're number one. You can do anything that you set your mind to. What are some of the other things the world tells you? You can be anything you want. What are some of the other things that the world tells you? I mean, just think about it. The world is full of these, these phrases, but in reality, they're not entirely true. Because nothing can happen without God's ordination. So you can set your mind to something, but if God is opposed to you, it's never going to happen. You can think all you want. Just think of the story with Pharaoh. Pharaoh thought he was in charge. He had no idea that God hardened his heart and was about to elevate himself before the entire Egyptian army for the purposes of glorifying God. He was being used. 
And so we can get to a point where we're just being used by God, unaware, without any kind of relationship with him. God doesn't intend to use us, but he will if we're not part of him. We just become another device in which to make Christians holy. So it's very important that we realize that we should at some point come to the end of our rope. We should come to the point where we stop fighting for our own will and start fighting for God's. And it's difficult. Even Peter had to go through this. Remember the whole denial of Christ? He's like, I'll never deny you. Well, Peter at that point had not come to the end of his rope. He was still fighting for his own wishes. Because if you look, before I was reading, let's go to verse 31 in Mark. What does it say? It says, and he began to teach them that the man, a son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. He just, matter of fact, he just told them, this is what's going to happen. Okay? And, and what happens? And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Peter took Christ aside and tried to tell him, no, you're wrong. You, you can't be doing this. Peter was rising up in his will, and he was telling Jesus, Look, this is how the Messiah goes down. This is how it will go down. And Jesus says to him, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Too often we feel that things have to be a certain way in order for them to be godly. But as long as we're operating in the word and walking by the spirit, be mindful that God can work independent of how the world sees things and do wonderful things. See, Peter wanted Christ to rise up and restore the Israel army and bring us back in or bring the Israelites back into power. And that's why when the Romans came, he pulled out his dagger and he's like, let's do it now, Christ. And Jesus says, put your knife away. This is not how it's going to go down. Didn't you learn that the Son of Man must die and suffer and then rise again on the third day? Peter was still struggling with his own will and couldn't see God at work and how things were happening. So it's very important as Christians, we come to the end of our rope and give it to God. Because as long as we struggle with our will, and God's will, we're just like Peter. And we're struggling to have the things of man take place instead of the things of God. Remember, God wants us holy, not comfortable. If we can be comfortable and holy, that's great. But it's holiness first. Too often we want our comfort first and then maybe some holiness. That's not how it works. So let's wrap this up. Only through Christ are things made new. So in 2 Corinthians 5.17, and this is part of the, the chapter that I'm asking you all to read this week. It says, therefore, if anyone is a new creation, or in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, the new has come. All this is from God, 
who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and, not in, and entrusting to us the message of re reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal to us. And that's the hard part for the world to understand. We are a new creation in Christ. But God is using each one of us to create a relationship with, with God. So in each one of our walks, we have a unique relationship with God. We have a unique dynamic and perspective. As we share those things with one another, God uses us to enlighten people. And he says he's given us that ministry of reconciliation. Given us the ministry of reconciliation. So that means that we are given the charge to go through the world. We've been given the message to carry on to the world. And that's the hard part. It really is because people aren't always receptive to hear it. You know, and we do have to be cautious as how we say things, but you can make things sweet as pie for anybody, and sometimes they're still not going to respond to it. They're just not going to respond to it. So the only way that Christ can make things new is if you include him in your life. If a problem comes up, include him in that so he can work in it. If we say we have a problem, we don't pray about it, we don't seek the word, we don't consult other Christians, the whole gauntlet of things that we should be doing as Christians, we're now operating in our own righteousness, we're now trusting in our own wisdom, and we're walking independent of God. And as a result, what do we do? We box him out. We box God out. We're like, no, God. This is how I'm going to handle it. This is how I've always handled it. And this is a saying that people like to, to throw out. This is how I roll, right? They say, this is how I do things. This is me. When somebody says those things, they just put the words arrogance right over them. They might as well just be wearing a shirt that says self-pride. I mean, just think about it. Because as Christians, that's not how we operate. As Christians, we realize that God is the master of the universe. He has all the answers. And if we really want a problem to go away, we want to rise like that man at the gate beautiful, we got to give it to Christ. we got to let him operate in that situation. Because if he's independent of it, you can bet your britches that situation's going to come back around. It, it just will. Because nothing man does is eternal. We can only give alms. Christ is the one who makes things new. Amen? Let's pray. Father Almighty, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you so much for your mercy. We thank you so much for your love. And God, we just thank you so much for making us a new creation in you. We lift up the church and the saints and those that couldn't be here, Lord. We just pray for healing. We pray for mercy. And Lord, we pray that people would be drawn to you and only you. 
So, Lord, we thank you so much for being our God. In Jesus' name, amen.